Glory to God. Good to see you here this morning on this very soggy day. But you all made it on out. Looks like it's going to be soggy all day. <laughs> We're going to be in a number of different places here this morning. All the references are in your, in your outline. You can look up at the screen, follow along in your Bible, whichever you prefer to do. Prefer to do. But there was a story of a woman, she's about 42 years old, if you want to figure out you know, what she might have looked, looked like or been through. And she was approached in a parking lot. Somebody was selling a flat screen TV. And they offered us to sell it to her for $500. Well, she didn't have $500. And so he, he lowered the price for her. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll sell it to you for $300. And looking at the flat screen TV there, it's all bubble wrapped and even had the the uh, Walmart sticker on it. And so she, uh, she agreed and gave him $300 and she got it home and unwrapped it and turned out it was not a flat screen TV, it was an oven door. Sometimes the promises that people make to us are not good. The things that people tell us aren't real. We can carry those things over with us into our spiritual walk. And we can begin to be be suspicious about the promises of God. Well, this is real for other people, but I don't know that it'll be working for me. But we're going to take a look at some things in the promises of God as we look at, at our prayers and how these will affect them. Last couple of weeks, we've been looking at how your prayers can be affected when we spent a number of weeks looking at praying for things that are already ours and mostly healing. Don't pray for things that are already yours. Walk in them. Operate in them. Do those things. We looked at the uh, healing for injuries. And we saw that in the Word of God many times that uh, people were told to do something. Whether it be go wash or to rise up or stretch forth your hand or something. There was something that was told to do. And haven't heard from anybody just yet, but I ex- fully expect God to be speaking some things to you for you to do. And for there to be a healing. And you know, over the last couple of years, I've shared with you a number of different stories of different injuries or different things I was facing and what it was that God told me to do to, to get over that. So I've told you my stories, and I'm sure I'm going to have more to keep on going. I'd like to hear some of yours as, as well. But there's a verse of Scripture. We put it up on Facebook if you were up there this morning that I wanted to, to start us off with here. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now take a look at that verse there. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How many of you thought just this week you were deficient in something? But it says right here, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Doesn't that pretty much cover it all? Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. There are exceedingly great and precious promises that have been given to us. These promises are to affect our prayer life, but a lot of times they don't. And as we'll get into in the end, there's many Christians who make up promises that God has made 
and base their prayers on them. Don't let me forget. We're going to going to dip into that just a, just a little bit. But there are three types of promises. And if you're up on Facebook, I asked this question of you. I said, can you can you type can you list the t- the three different types of promises? There are three different kinds of promises in the Word of God. They don't jump out at you. They don't say here here's one type. But if you begin to to think about them, begin to classify them, you can put them into three classifications, three types of promises that are in the Word of God. We're going to take a look here at basically two of them. We'll we'll mention the third one to you, but we're going to spend most of our time on on two of them. And the first one is what God will do because He wants to. Do you know that there are promises in the Word of God that God will do it just because He wants to do it? And now you can relate to this. If you have children, grandchildren, little kids that are in your life, and you, you look at them, how many times has it just overwhelmed you that you wanted to do something for them? You don't care what it is that they do. You just look at them and say, oh man, they're just so much fun. They bring such a blessing to my life. I just want to bless them. I just want to do something for them. And, and just, uh, and, you know, depending on how old they are, you don't have to do much. You know, a gumball. <laughs> All that it takes sometimes. You know, we can go up to our, not so much Chenzo. He's, he's not into this just as, as much yet. But you can go up to little Lissy and give her a dollar. Oh, she is thrilled. She's got a dollar. And she's thinking about all the different things she can do with, with that dollar. And she's just uh, happy as can. It's just such an, that's an exceedingly abundant blessing to her. Now, when she turns 14, something like that, you give her a dollar, she says, what's this for? <laughs> it's not going to be the same reaction, I'm I'm sure. But right now, you know, uh, you don't need to do a whole lot and you can just bless their socks off. But God has that attitude towards us. There are sometimes he just wants to bless your socks off. He says, you know what, just because I'm God, I just want to bless you. (laughs) And we're going to take a look at those kind of promises first. I put this in your outline for you. There's about the only blanks. I don't have too many blanks here today. But where do the promises of God fit into our prayers? How do the promises of God fit into our prayers? We want to hit that first off because it's going to affect the rest of the things we do here. First off, knowing God's word, I divided this into three sections. It's basically one sentence, but knowing God's word, you've got to first off know the word of God. It's imperative if you are going to pray and pray effectively that you know the word of God. Not what other people say about the word of God, not what other people expect, not what you have come to expect, not what you think ought to be in the Word of God, but what is in the Word of God. You've got to know the Word of God. Second, know, knowing God's Word and believing His promises. It is not good enough that God has promises. Just because God has made promises, you have to believe it. You have to believe it. Now, you go back to the little kid example. If you've got a little child in your life, whether it's your child, grandchild, nephew, niece, something like that, just somebody in your life that you just like, like to bless, and you tell them, I'm going to, and you say what it is that you're going to do, how you're going to bless them, and they, they come back and, you know, there's no excitement on that, and you say, well, aren't you excited? Well, I don't think you're really going to do it. How many of y'all know that can kind of take the, the fun out of blessing them? Yeah. No. No, they, they, you want them to be looking forward to it. You want them to believe that you're going to do the thing that you say you're going to do. God needs you to have faith, to have belief in His promises. That if He says He's going to do something, that He's going to do it. So the first thing we need is to be knowing God's Word and believing His promises. 
which leads to understanding his will. One of my favorite quotes from Brother Hagin is, and I think it was his, he made a quote from somebody else, but faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You've got to first off know the will of God in order for faith to come. So if you know God's word and believe his promises, this will lead to an understanding of his will. If you understand the will of God, faith can begin. I can begin to have faith in, the, in these things. But I've got to have that understanding of his will. Not everybody understands the will of God. They think they know about it. They think they know some stuff about the will of God, but they don't necessarily understand it. You've got to have an understanding of, of the will of God. Much like if you were to take a math class, algebra, trigonometry, geometry, you can maybe have the right answers. And I know that this is this, but I don't have the understanding of that math. You may have the, the knowledge of what to write down on a chemistry exam, but I don't have the understanding of chemistry. You can have the knowledge, but not the understanding. We've got to get into that place where we have the understanding of His will. Here's the last one. It leads to understanding His will and faith in your prayers. And the things that we pray need to have faith. If we have faith in our prayers, those prayers are going to do some things. Now take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanius and Timothy... Yes, not, uh, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Do you ever hear those, those people go around and say, you know, well, God doesn't, he always answers prayers. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait a while. But here this verse of scripture says that the promises of God are what? They're Yes. If God promised it, His answer is always. So it's important that we know the promises of God. If I know what He's promised, I know that every time I approach Him with something that He promised, His answer is yes, because He promised it. It's important that we understand the promise of God. Most Christians think the most important thing for you to know is the Ten Commandments. If you were to go out, not saying people in here, but if you were to go out in the, in the world and, and poll Christians, they would say, well, it's important that we know the Ten Commandments and that we keep them. And yet, how many Christians can name the Ten Commandments? How many could quote them? How many, if you said, what is the Fourth Commandment? They would say, uh... <laughs> but many Christians will say there's the most important thing to, to know, and yet they, they don't know them. How many Christians, if you went up to them and said, what's a promise of God? Tell me a promise of God. They'd have to think for a little while. If the promises of God are important, shouldn't we know them? Shouldn't we have them down? And if they're always yes, all I have to do is find out what did God promise in this situation? Because if I know what he promised, I know what his will is, and he'll always say yes. In uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, this is, a, of course, real familiar with ones for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever should believe in him shall what? Not perish, but have everlasting. Isn't that a promise? No, it's a promise. Now, I, I put this in the category of just things God wants to do. This is just something God wants to do for you. There is a condition on it. To whoever believes in him. There is not a single promise in the word of God that if you do not believe it, will happen. There is always some amount of belief that comes in. Now, this one I didn't put in there. I was thinking about it, but, you know, 
when we have so much time to go over so much stuff. But how many of y'all know that Jesus has promised that he's coming back for his church? That's a promise. Whether you believe that he is coming back for his church, whether you believe that he's coming back before or after the tribulation or any of those, those kind of things, makes no difference. He's coming back when he's coming back. But there is still a requirement of belief on your, on your part. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and, and, and believe for salvation, are you going? No, there's a, there's a certain amount of belief on, on our part that, that comes into play. I have to believe. There's not a single promise that I can think of that doesn't involve some belief on our part in order for us to participate. So when we have this first category. These are things that God wants to do, but you still got to believe in them. You just got to believe in the promise. Just believe in the promise. Just believe what God said is, is true. In Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, now look at this first part. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. How many of you know the thoughts you think toward your boss? How many of you know the thoughts you think to your kids? How many of you know the thoughts you think toward your spouse, toward your friend, toward somebody? We know, don't, aren't you in touch with the thoughts that you think toward people? Well, God says, I'm in touch with the thoughts I have toward you. I know what they are. That shouldn't be any, any shock to us. Of course, God knows what they are. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Has the enemy ever come to you and said, God is against you? And he's giving you some reasons. But that's not what the Word of God says. To give you a future and a hope. Has the enemy ever come against you and said, you have no future? You have no hope. That's against what the Word of God says. God says, I know my thoughts toward you. And those thoughts include a future. Those thoughts include peace. That's That's what he has for you. Not thoughts of evil, but thoughts to give you a future and a hope. Is that a promise from God? That's a promise from God. If you bring this up to God and say, God, you said in your word that you have thoughts of a a future for me. That you have good things for me. And if you say, God, I'm going to live my life in such a way as to believe that you have good thoughts towards me. What's God's answer going to be? Well, I, I, I have thoughts, good thoughts for most people, but you know, not you. That's not what God's going to say, is it? Because God's thoughts towards you are good. And His, His promises are always, yes. If God promised it, if you bring it up to Him, His answer is, yes. absolutely. God, you said in your word that you would do this. Will you do this for me? Yes. Every single time you come to God and ask Him, will you do this for me, on something that was promised in the Word, 100% of the time, His answer will be, yes. Because that's what the Word of God says. So, don't let the enemy come and tell you, you don't have a, a good future. The things aren't going to go well. They are. Now, here's one. This one can be a little foggy for us at times. But we're going to spend some, a little bit of time on it. Isaiah 41, verse 8. But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. You, whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, 
and called from its farthest regions and said to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. Wow. But you, Israel, are my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. Are you a descendant of Abraham? doesn't matter what your lineage is because the descendants of Abraham are those who are of faith. You are a descendant of Abraham. Therefore, this promise goes for you, doesn't it? He says in verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. How many times, maybe even recently, have you been dismayed? Has fear tried to get a hold of you? And yet he says what? Fear not. For I am with you. I am with you. Think of it when you were a little kid. When you were a little kid, you know, three, four, five years old, and the thunderstorms started going, and you were afraid of thunderstorms. But what would help you out? If you got around mom and dad, didn't that help you out? Didn't you just feel better? Well, you got one even stronger than mom and dad. No matter what's going on around you, he says, don't fear. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. For I am your God. I'm not just a God. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. He says what? I will strengthen you. Is that a promise from God? I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. He will do it. You're not in this on your own. And yet how many times has the enemy tried to sow thoughts into you? You're on this on your own. There's no one around to help you. You're getting weak. You're getting tired. It's not going to work. But that's against the promises of God. So if you go to God and say, God, fear is trying to get a hold of me. I'm feeling dismay all around me. But you are my God and you are with me. Therefore, I'm not going to give in to that because this is what you said in your word. Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. All those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed. All of them. People come against you. This is what it says about it. But to the enemy wants to get you in fear, get you in a place of dismay. These people are going to win out over you. These people are going to, they're going to have the upper hand. Mm-mm. Don't do it. They shall be as nothing. You see, right now, if the enemy can have his way, he makes them seem like everything. But he says, we'll make them like, like nothing. Like nothing. And there can be a whole lot of things coming against you. One of the, the tactics that the enemy uses now, and, uh, you know, as much as I like Facebook, try and get you all on Facebook and, and, and encourage you, and there's, there's a dark side to Facebook. <clears throat> I just stay away from the dark side. I just stay on the light side, on the, on the fun side. But there's also another uh, social app out there called Twitter. Anybody ever know, know about Twitter? Yeah, anything I have to tweet in order to make it function, I'm not going to do it. But Twitter has an evil side to it. 
In fact, the evil side of Twitter is very hard to get away from. It's one reason I won't pick it up. I won't do anything about it. There is a dark side to Twitter that is uncanny and is nothing like what's in Facebook at all. The things that people have done through the, 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 the um, avenue of Twitter have destroyed lives. And, well, just the whole, there's just a whole sorts of things that they've done in it. Now, if you like Twitter, if you have Twitter on your phone or something like that, you just go right on ahead. It will not touch my phone. It will not come near my dwelling. <laughs> That's just my, my attitude about it. But one of the things that they can do, and that there are people who, who do this, is um, you can buy Twitter followers. Ten, twenty bucks. I've heard, I've heard a price for as low as twenty bucks. You can buy 100,000 Twitter followers. These are fake names, of course. These are not real people. But you can make your, your uh, uh, following look like it's, it's pretty good. I could tell you some of the names. I've heard one guy who was, uh, who was one of the ones doing this, they got his client list, and you would be surprised at some of the names of the people that are on there. Now, they may not have bought them directly, but they, they got other people that are there. But one of the things that they'll do, you know, if, uh, if a particular um, public figure or a company does something that certain people don't like, what they do is they, they access the avenue of Twitter and they can cause 10 people to look like hundreds of thousands and yet it's no more than 10 people. Now, the one of the reasons that I, I know that, you know, you all know I like to, to listen to Rush and some of the things. Well, they had staged a campaign against him, but they didn't know who they were picking on because he decided to investigate. And they investigated, and he said his, his, he was flooded with all these Twitter. All his, all his uh, advertisers were flooded with these Twitter things to try and get them to, to, to stop doing the things they were doing, not supporting, cutting off their advertising and, and stuff like that. And so they said, well, we're just going to investigate this. So he set out to investigate and to find out who and where all this stuff came from and found out and got the names of the ten people who were responsible for these hundreds of thousands of attacks that came against the, their advertisers and so forth. And then they wrote them, and they never exposed them. They just let them know, we know who you are, and if you continue, we will expose you. And they stopped. But uh, not too many people actually come after them and fight them. But this is the thing that goes on. And that they have, whole companies have been shut down because they thought that hundreds of thousands of people were against them. And in reality, it wasn't at all. In fact, a lot of times these companies are hit with, with tweets on this. They're not even people who are their customers. The 10 people who, or whatever number of people did it, they're not even their customers, but they pass them off as such. So in that area of the Twitterverse, you can, um, nothing is real. Nothing is true. Because you can do all this sort of stuff and, it, and just fake it out. And of course, people are in that area, and you're a lot more anonymous in Twitter than you are in Facebook. And people have just destroyed other people's lives, said accusations, done things, and it's hard to get those, those things undone. And this is the, the kind of thing that has been, has been done. And we can become dismayed. But the Word of God says, don't be dismayed, because I will bring these people who came against you into a place of shame. But trust it. Don't, don't get off in the area of fear, doubt, unbelief, and those kinds. Don't, don't do that. Stay out of that area. Do what the Word of God has said to do. Behold, those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced 
and they shall be as nothing. And those who strive with you shall perish. Isaiah 40, verse 29. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. He gives power to who? He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. This is what God does. He finds the, you're weak. You can go before God and say, God, I just feel weak right now. And God says, that's all right. I got power for you. And he just infuses you with power. Just like your phone. Your phone is telling you, I need power. And you just plug it in and get some power going to it. God will bring power to the weak. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young man shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is what God will do. Is that not a promise from God? Then if we're feeling weak, if we're feeling tired, if we're feeling like I can't win over this battle, if that's something that I am feeling, what's the word of God say? Strength is there. If I go to God and say, God, I, I need strength, what's God say? Not right now, I've got a couple of crises going on, but I'll, I'll, I'll be there in just a little bit. That's not what he does. But our, we, don't, we don't orchestrate our life this way. Because when I am feeling weak, when I'm feeling tired, when I'm feeling worn out, I go to God and I say, Oh God, I just can't continue. I'm just so tired. I'm just so weak. I just don't have any ability to fight this anymore. We're not going to him with promises. See how I ought to go to him with prayer and say, Father God, my body is telling me I am tired. My body is telling me I am weak. My mind is saying I am exhausted. It's saying I can't continue. But this is what your word said. This is what your promise said. It said that you will revive me. You will strengthen me. And I thank you, Father, that I receive that strength that you promised me right now. What's God's answer to that prayer? Yes. His answer is yes. Now, when he tells us, he gives us his promise quite often. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In order for it to work, I have to believe the promise. I have to believe what he says. He says, yeah, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I'll strengthen you. I got to believe the promise. If I don't believe the promise, it isn't going to work for me. So I got to have a belief that what God said is going to work. And it's going to do something for me. Look at Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. This is the promise to Jacob, Israel. Are we not the descendants of Israel? then this promise is to you. He says, if you go through the fire, you're not going to be burned. He didn't say, I'll put the fire out. He said, if you go through the fire, you won't be burned. If you go through the rivers, they won't overflow you. No matter where it is you go, he's going to be with you. But I've got to trust it. I've got to believe the promise. 
See, first off, first off, I got to know the word. I got to know the word. I got to believe in the word, of course, but I got to know what the word of God says. I got to believe his promise. I got to know the word, believe his promise, understand his will. And then it's going to put faith in my prayers. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. You can look at that fire and say, glory to God. If I need to, I can walk right on through that. You can look at the waters. If I need to, I can walk right on through. Fire, water, whatever it is the enemy wants to throw against me, no matter. Now, here's a verse of Scripture that's familiar to you. Psalm 23, particularly verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We know that verse. We probably have memorized the entire psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Most people, we want to make prayers that God builds a bridge takes me over the valley of death. But he says, no, even if you walk through the valley of death, I'll be with you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, if you really believe that God is with you, then there's no reason to fear. I've got to believe that promise. But here's how a lot of Christians will be praying about this. We're going through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, God. I'm so fearful. Oh, oh God. Oh, take this fear away from me. Oh, God, take this fear away. Oh, God, let me know that you're here. Show me a sign that you are here with me. That's not the way to pray. We've taken a promise from God. And we totally disbelieved it. And then we want to make a prayer based on it. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. You go through that valley of the shadow of death. Here I am. Devil, you can't touch me. You can't get, you can't get near me. Because my God is right here with me. I'm not going to be able to do this. That's what the Word of God says. There's deliverance for you. Take a look at this one, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, here's how Christians sometimes pray. We start off in the, maybe you know, halfway through the day, in the evening. We've had a rough day. Oh, we've been battling this day. It has been difficult. We've been stick, sticking in there and staying with it, but oh, it's been difficult. And we come to God and say, dear God, oh, I just, I don't know where you are right now. I, I don't feel your presence around. I feel like everything is coming against me. I feel like I'm going to go under. Oh, God, help me. Oh, please help me. I just, I depend on you right now. Just please help me. That's a bad prayer. That's a prayer that says, I disbelieve what you said in your word, but I still want to come to God in faith. Can't do it. What's the word of God say? 
Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So that means when I get in that situation and the enemy tells me, God is not with you. You're, you're on your own. God's not here to help. You see all that terror? You see all that stuff that's around? It's coming down upon you. And you are going under. And I become dismayed. Become fearful. Because I didn't believe the promise. But what's the promise say? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's what he promises. So have faith in it. I've got to believe the promise. If I don't believe the promise, I'm going to help me. Now, if I don't know this word, if I go out there just with my own human understanding, oh God, I'm going through a tough time. I know that you're here to help me. Would you, will you please help me? I haven't done anything the word of God says. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is given to Joshua before he goes into the promised land to take on giants, to take on cities, to take on enemies of Israel. And he says, don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Well, you don't know what I have to face. No, I don't. But it's not giants. It's not walled cities. It's not chariots. They didn't that. And if this word of God is good enough for Joshua, it's good enough for you. It's good enough for me. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Stay with it. Isaiah 54, verse 17. You all know this verse. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment shall you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteous, righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Are you a servant of God? You are. Therefore, this is your heritage. This is, this is for you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper or be successful. No weapon. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, not going to work either. It's going to come down. How many of you have been in a place where people's words have risen against, in judgment against you? And it gets us into fear. It gets us into dismay. But don't do it. Here's what the Word of God says. Hang on to the promises. Because the promises of God are exceedingly great. They're abundantly good. And every time I bring a promise to God and say, God, this is what your Word promised, what does God say? Yes. God, you said that you would do this. Will you do it? God says, yep, sure will. Happy to. Looking forward to it. I can't wait to take some of those guys out. I think of it this way. You got little kids. They go off to school. Some kids are picking on them. As a parent, what do you want to do? How many of you would say, tear them limb from limb? Make them feel exceeding pain. That's kind of what we want to do, right? Well, God's, God's a parent. What do you think he feels when he sees people picking on his kids? He doesn't like it. And the Word of God shows us he'll show up strong. Just give an opportunity. 
opportunity. Have faith in the promises. See, a lot of times we're, we're coming up with these crazy prayers and we're trying to have faith in it, but we have no word behind the prayer. We're just, you know, we're praying something. Well, I know God. God wants good things for me. I know that God, you know, He loves me. And so God, I just, I need you to, I need you to, and we just say stuff to do. We got nothing to base it on. We got no promise we're coming after. Just pull it out of the Word of God. This is what it says. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue which rises up against me in judgment, God will condemn. Because that's what the Word of God says. This is the heritage of me, the servant of God. That's my heritage. Now, this is not all the promises of God that God just wants to do for you. This is just some of them. You can go through and spend some more time in the Word of God and find some more. And uh, how many have a good con- concordance? Okay, a couple of people. You ought to get some. You don't even need a concordance to do this. I don't know if they know it or not, but the heathen of this world, the heathen of this world, have put together an incredible ability for you to access the promises of God. The heathen of this world. You can call up Google. I mean, that's about as heathen as you can get. You can call up Yahoo. You can call up... What else is out there? I don't know what other search engines are out there. Whatever one you like. You can call up those search engines and you can type in there what are the promises of God. And you will find website after website listing verses and the promises of God. Just like that. You can finally just sit there and meditate on them. It's a phenomenal resource. Don't just use search engines for crazy stuff. If you've got a question, type it in. You'd be surprised at what comes up. All right, let's take a look at this. These are some promises that what God will do if we obey. There's something on our part that we have to do besides just obey the promise. There's something on our side that we have to do. Philippians chapter 4, verse 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, we've taught on this before. You probably remember. But what he's teaching here in this verse of Scripture is that my God shall supply all your need because they had given an offering. Because they had obeyed God. God told them to do something. They obeyed God. They did it. And, God, and he says, now my God will supply your need according to his riches and glory. That's a promise based on what they did. They obeyed. So when you obey and God comes to you and says, do this in your finances, then you can rely on that and say, Father God, I did what you said to do. And I opened the door for you to do what you said you're going to do in the word of God. You open that door right up. That promise is yours. And so we don't go to God and we don't make prayers like this. Oh God, I'm going under. I don't have enough money for the mortgage. I don't have enough money for the rent. I don't have enough money to pay the electric bill. I can't pay for groceries. I have no money. Oh God, please help me. I don't have to do that. I can go to the Word of God and say, God, you know, I've done what you said to do in the area of finances. I brought my tithes. I brought offerings when you said to do offerings. 
And because of that, that obedience on my part has opened the door for you to do this. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. That's a promise. But you see, we can go to God and we can pray it that way. We don't pray to God the problem. We pray to God the promise. This is what you promised, God. Here's the, here's the word. I've obeyed. Thank God you're coming through for me. I thank you. Because if I bring the promises to God, His answer is, yes. We're going to keep saying that a few more times because I want you to get it down. If we bring the promise to God, God's answer is, yes. 100% of the time, God says yes to the things He's promised. People, you may go up to them and say, but you promised. Yeah, but that was before I knew. That doesn't happen with God because God knows all things. If God promised it, He's going to do it. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise from God, right? If we confess our sins, if I come to God and say, God, I missed it. I blew it. I didn't do this thing over here. I was supposed to. I know you told me to do it. I know your word said to do it. I didn't do it. Forgive me. What does God do? He forgives you. What's the enemy says he does? Well, he'll forgive you, but not when you sin so blatantly. I mean, this is what? The hundredth time? Come on. You can't keep sinning and expect God to forgive you. Well, I guess I can't. I need to, I need to be obedient. I need to stop doing this stuff. And the enemy can talk you right out of your forgiveness. Don't let him do it. What does God say about it? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even the sins I didn't know that I committed, He'll cleanse me from those simply because I confessed the ones that I knew. (laughs) So if I go to God and say, God, you promised in your word that if I confess my sins, you will forgive me. What's His answer? Yes. But see, the enemy wants to tell you something different. And he puts Christians under guilt and condemnation because he doesn't want them believing the promise. And you get under guilt and condemnation and it affects the way that you walk in your authority. It affects the way you walk in your prayer life. It affects how you operate in faith. In Psalm 84 and verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Wow. That, I mean, that's quite a promise, isn't it? For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Well, what's walking uprightly? You walk in light of the Word of God that you've been taught. In light of the Word of God that you know. In light of the Word of God that He's revealed to you. You take that Word and you walk accordingly. He's not saying walk according to stuff you don't know yet. Walk according to stuff that you do. And you walk uprightly. No good thing. Is he going to withhold? No good, no good thing. If you see a good thing out there, say, Father God, that's a good thing. And God says, it sure is. <laughs> no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's why it pays to obey God. Keep obeying God. Don't, don't walk away from that. Romans 8, 
and verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. All good things, we know that all, all things work together for good. Now this verse has been used in very crazy ways. People have bad things happen. And, well, God meant this for some good purpose. No, that's not what it said. It does not say that God intended for the thing that happened in your life for a good purpose. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. So no matter what it is that's going on in my life, whether I caused it because I was stupid, disobedient, or whatever it might be, once I get it right, I repent. I turn my life around and walk according to His purpose. God says, all right, that thing there was, was meant that the enemy's meaning for evil right now. I'm going to turn it around for good. He can turn it around for good. But you've got to let him do it. Don't go blaming him for it. Don't say, well, God brought this into my life for this to happen. He did not. More than likely, we, our disobedience brought that thing into our life. Now, sometimes, you know, you just walk through the fire. There's a fire, there's a valley of death, and we've got to go through it. That's all right. God says you can go through it. You, nothing's going to happen. It's going to be good. But when something bad happens, don't go blaming God for it. Well, God, I know you have some purpose for this happening in my life. No, He doesn't have a purpose for that happening in your life. But He will turn it around so that the purpose will end up being good. Even though the enemy tried to destroy you with it. Don't let Him do that. That's a promise from God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. That's a promise from God. That's a promise you can walk on. That's a promise that you can pray by. That's a promise you can have faith in. John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. That's up to, that's up to you to not let your heart be troubled. If you are having trouble in your life, you're feeling troubled in your heart, so to speak. Your, your emotions are all messed up. You're all twisted in knots. He does not say he won't let that happen. He says, peace I leave with you. That God has left me peace. It doesn't mean that just because he left it with me, I'm going I'm to operate by it. But it's there for me. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. It's up to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it. You've got to do something about it. When trouble comes upon you and it tries to make you affected, tries to get you to be worried, tries to get you to be concerned, tries to keep you up at night, tries to distract you from studying the Word of God, whatever it might be, that trouble comes in. You say, no, I am not going to be troubled. I'm not going to be bothered by this. My God has left me His peace. That peace is, his, is a promise from Him. I'm going to walk in that promise. And so then your prayer is not, Oh God, I feel so troubled. Oh God, I feel so dismayed. Oh God, I just everything inside me is just in turmoil. Please take this away from me. Give me your peace. That's a wrong prayer. That's the prayer that disbelieves the promise of God. And that's why you're having such trouble with it. Don't pray that way. You pray, Trouble, you must leave. I am not going to embrace you. But the peace of God, that's what's going to work in my life. 
And there's other verses in the Scriptures and peace of God, you can pull them in. Peace I leave with you. If you don't have peace right now, you just go back to this verse of Scripture and say, this is what the Word of God says. It says, I have peace. Peace is at my disposal. And the devil comes to you and says, I don't see peace around. I see turmoil. I see problems. No, no, no. I got peace. Because that's what the Word of God says. My peace, I live with you. I leave with you. It's my peace. It's His peace. I got God's peace. Not just any peace. I got His peace. God can see the entire world in trouble. And He's still at peace. God can see the Egyptian army coming after His people. And you know what? He's at peace. God can see the children of Israel being disobedient, being stupid. And you know what? God's at peace. That's the kind of peace he's leaving with you. The kind of peace that can look at huge things going on in the earth and still be at peace. That same peace will work for your life. Psalms 37 verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, sometimes we look at this verse of Scripture and we say, here's a desire of my heart. I don't have it yet. How come I don't have it yet? Well, if you look at this, this promise, what's it say? Delight yourself also in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. If He has not given you the desires of your heart, what would that tell you? Apparently, I'm not delighting in the Lord the way I need to. So instead of working on the second part of that verse, work on the first part. I'm going I'm to delight in the Lord even more. The enemy has gotten you off thinking on other things. And you're not delighting in the Lord. Father God, reveal to me how it is that I am not delighting myself in you fully. You know what God will do? He'll reveal it to you. He'll tell you. He'll show you. This is, what's, this is what's going on. God, how is it that I am not delighting in, in the Lord? Brother Hagin shared with us a story when he went off on the road and he was in utter poverty after he left his last church, traveling around, barely had money for gas, barely had money to feed his kids. And he said, this just isn't right. This just isn't right. This is what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that you will eat the good of the land. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And he was convinced that he was obedient and he, was, he did the things that he was supposed to do. And, and God, he, so he brought up the guy and said, God, this verse is not working in my life. Why is it not working? And God says, well, you're obedient, but you're not willing. Because he had kept talking about that he wished he had stayed at the church or he wished he had done other things instead of going that way. He says, you're, you're obedient, but you're not willing. The Word of God says, be willing and obedient. So he says, it don't, he said, I love what he told us. He said, it don't take weeks to get willing it took me minutes (laughs) he said i made an adjustment i got willing and i got obedient and then god says now here's how you gotta here's how you do the things in your finances and showed him some things in his finances what to do and then god had turned around james chapter 1 verse 5 we all know this one if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask of god who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him i'm going to share with you a principle in this 
that you can take and apply to just about any of these promises. But you'll understand it better in this one. If any of you lacks wisdom. Now, you don't have to use your inside hand. You can use your outside hand on this one. How many of you this week or some weeks close by have faced a situation that was above your understanding? And you needed wisdom on it, right? That's what you need. If it's above your understanding, I need wisdom on it. So we've all faced things with wisdom. And so here's what the Word of God says. If any of you lacks wisdom, that would be us, right? We all raised our hand. There were situations where we lacked wisdom. That's why I fit the bill. If any of you lacks wisdom, I qualify. Because I am not having wisdom in a certain situation. Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given him. That's what it says. Now, here's how we we put this into practice. This is why it's not working for us. We we, We find ourselves in a situation. I don't know what to do. The enemy comes to you. You're bewildered. You don't know what to do. This thing's going to overtake you because you don't know what to do. You're right. I don't know what to do. And we come upon this verse. Spirit of God quickens us to this verse. And so he said, Father God, I, I need wisdom. Oh, I need wisdom. Help me in this situation. And then we go on from there. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's present tense, right? In present tense, I lack wisdom. Look at the end of it. And it will be given to him. Is that present tense or future? It is future. Look at the beginning. Present tense. Look at the end. Future. We don't like that. Because I want present tense in the beginning and present tense at the end. Or past tense. And it will have been given to you. We would like that one, wouldn't you? Wouldn't we like to change that, that verse to say, and it will have been given to him. Glory to God, then it's mine. But it doesn't say that. It says what? And it will be given. That's future. There's no denying. You don't have to get into the Greek. You don't have to do anything. It's right there. Present tense in the beginning, future in the end. So here's how we go about it. We, we, we say, oh God, I need, I need wisdom. I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. And we ask for, for wisdom. Let him ask of God. So I did that part, right? I asked of God. God, I need wisdom. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach? Who does he give to? Gives to all. And just does he give just enough? And he gives liberally. More than enough. You need some wisdom? Here you go. Have some wisdom. And he just throws wisdom at you. We got all that we need. He gives it to us liberally. Not sparingly. He gives us abundantly what we need. And it will be given to him. Now God gives to all liberally. That's an ongoing thing. But he will, future tense, give it to you. So here's what we face. God, I need wisdom. And we go from there. And the enemy comes and says, do you know what you're going to do? I don't know. I don't know what to do. Or better yet, other people come up to you. Other people come up to you and they say, what are you going to do about that problem? And what do we say? I don't know what I'm going to do. I've asked God to give me wisdom, but I don't know what I'm going to do. He hasn't answered me yet. He hasn't given me the wisdom. I don't know what I'm going to do. Does it make you scared? Does it make you nervous? Oh, I'm staying up at night because I don't know what to do. I've asked God for wisdom, 
but I don't know what to do. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you can say this is described? How have you gone about this? I don't know what I'm going to do. And we'll go back. Oh, God, please give me wisdom. Father God, I need, but I don't know what to do in this situation. What am I going to do? Please give me wisdom in this. You see, I didn't operate according to that verse. And this is very often how we approach the promises of God. We don't operate according to the verse that we have. You see, when I go to God and I say, God, I need wisdom on this situation. I thank you that you are a God who liberally gives and that you are willing to give it to me. And we go on from there. And see, somebody comes up to you and they say, what are you going to do in that situation? And you know what you answer? I don't know yet. But when I need to make a decision, I will know exactly what I need to do. But you don't know yet. No, I don't. But when I need to make a decision, I will know exactly what to do. Because I have asked God for wisdom. And He will give it to me. But you don't know what you're going to do now. Apparently, I don't need to make a decision right now. But when I need to make that decision, when I need to take action, I will know exactly what to do. And then fear, lack of peace, fall away from me. They can't attach themselves to me. And I just go on. When I need to make a decision, I will know exactly what to do. You see, that's praying in line with the promise, keeping faith in the area of the promise. Don't fall into doubt and unbelief on the promise. That's not going to help you out. If you want to ask something of God, know what His Word has said. Know what the Word has to say. Believe in His promises for the purpose of understanding His will so that you can have faith in your prayers. See, we want to skip by all these things. I just want to go to the part of having faith in prayer. And I just want to pray any prayer that I want to pray and just pray it. But that's not what we need to do. I told you before I was going to give you a prayer that came through. I'm, I've edited some of it so that you, you can't see all that. I deleted some of the really good ones. This is one I still had around. This is an example of prayer that came in. They're not here with us today because they're from another country. But here's the prayer. See if you can find out what's, what's going on with this. I did not change any of the wording. This is exactly how it came in. Priest, please pray Jesus for me to be luckier in life and to give me more success. What promise is that based on? Also pray God for my friends named, and to give the name, uh, is sick and poor. What promise is that based on? And her mother, gives the name, is a widow. Sometimes she is very tense and aggressive. May God free her from all evil. Is that based on any scripture? Does anything, anywhere in the Word of God says God is going to come down and free you from all evil? No, there's a part of the responsibility that's on us. Is it going to stop you from being tense and aggressive? No, it's up to you. You've got to do it. If you're not going to operate in the things of the Word, it's hard for the Word to operate in you. And also Jesus helped, gives a name, to remain in good health and be a good Christian young woman and succeed in her studies.
How do you remain in good health? Operate in the, the, what the Word of God tells you to do. Stay in the promises of God. Takes authority over sickness and disease. And one other one gives a name. Grandmother, poor, this family needs prayers and help from God. Also, and gives a name again, must undergo surgery for teeth. Please ask God to make sure she will be okay and does not suffer. Now, these are prayers we like to pray. You know, Father God, I have this problem here in my body, and I pray that the problem goes away and I don't suffer anything at all. That's how we want to pray. We want God to kind of wave, a, wave something over us. I don't want to take authority. I don't want to be obedient. I don't want to listen to the voice of God, spend time listening to the voice of God. God, what should I do? We don't want to do all that sort of stuff. Just, uh, you know, come out, call upon the name of your God, wave your hand, and the leprosy goes away. Because that's what we want to do. Don't follow after it that way. Here's a third category. We're not going to spend time on that here today. What God will do as we have grown. Do you know that there are promises of God that are there as you grow? That as you get out of the infant's part, out of the childhood part, get into the part of being an adult, get into the part of being mature, that there are promises that will take effect for you but have no effect on your life as long as you are immature? Areas like the gifts and callings of God and other areas in the Word of God. We're not going to get into them today. And as we are faithful, we learn more. As we become more mindful of the things of God, more is open to us. Now, I put this in your outline. I want to make sure you got the blank for it. Many times Christians make prayers to God based on promises God never made. We just come up with one because it sounds like a promise maybe God should have made. It sounds like a promise I wish God would have made. We wish that God would have made a promise like this. You will never have any heartache in your life. How about this promise? No one will ever betray you. But we'll make prayers in line with, with these kind of things. Yet Jesus himself had people who betrayed him. Jesus himself had people who badmouthed him. False accusations. Jesus himself had these things go on. But we'll make these Prayers based on promises that God didn't make. How many of our prayers are based on promises that God did not make? He did not say you would not go through the valley of the shadow of death. He said that if you do, He will be with you. He didn't say you wouldn't pass through the fire. He said if you pass through the fire, it won't burn you. He didn't say you wouldn't go through the waters. He said if you do, it won't overtake you. He didn't say that people wouldn't, wouldn't come against you and say false things about you. He just said that if they do, he will bring them to shame. Don't make prayers based on promises that God never made. But see, this is what the enemy loves to do. He will sow into one person a promise, and that promise will go on to another and on to another. And we pretty soon a whole lot of Christians are making prayers based on a promise that God never made. It sounds like he should have made it. It sounds like it's in line with the word of God. But he never said it. That's why you've got to first off know the word. After you know the word. Not about them. I mean, you've got to. 
if, if we are satisfied with a low level knowledge of the word of God, we will have a low level prayer life. We will have a low level walk with God. You've got to be unsatisfied with the elementary things and say, no, no, I need to go on. I need to find out more. I need to learn more of what the Word of God has to say. Because with an in-depth knowledge of the Word of God comes a better understanding of His will and my belief in His promises. God has made so many promises in the Word of God. We can keep ourselves busy just praying those. We don't need to come up with new ones. What promises of God are you continually mindful of? Because this is what your prayers ought to be based off of. If we're going to ask God for things, we've got to first off ask God for things that He has and then ask God of things that He is willing to give. Just because God has it doesn't mean He's willing to give it. But if we have a promise from the Word of God that says not only does God have this, God is willing to give it. Then if I go to God, what's God's answer? Yes. But go to God with the promises. You ought to spend your time reading the promises of God. What has God promised you? And find out. You know, you could take any... We've went over a whole lot of scriptures. These are not my favorite things to, to preach. I like to stay in one area of scripture and just really have fun with it. But every once in a while, you've got to you know, branch out in the areas you're not always the most comfortable in because you've got to see the overall view of this. What does the Word of God promise? And you don't need any kind of a Greek scholar, Hebrew scholar, anything like that. Just look at what He promised you. If there's a part where you're supposed to do something, then do it. And know that if I did it, he's going to. And if there's not a part, I just got to believe the promise, then just believe the promise. And when the enemy comes, and know the enemy will come, the enemy will come to try and get you to doubt the promise. Because the only way the enemy can negate the, the promise in your life is to get you to doubt it. Because as far as God is concerned, his answer is always, yes. Have we said it enough times? <laughs> Have we got that down? God's answer is always yes with the promise. That's in the Word of God. Always yes. So all I got to do is find out what He promised. Believe in the promise. So I broke it down for you this way. I wanted you to see the whole, th whole thing. Know the Word. Believe in the promise. Know the Word. Believe in the promise. Understand the will of God. It's a progression. You've got to first off know the Word. Secondly, believe the promise. When you believe the promise, you will come into an understanding of the will of God. And then have faith in your prayers. The enemy cannot stop you if you follow this pattern. He cannot stop you. The only way he can stop you is to stop this pattern from working in your life. And he will constantly try and do it. He will corrupt the promise. He will bring other promises in that God didn't make. He's going to attack your belief in that promise. Has God really said? How come you don't have this now? You ask for wisdom. What are you going to do? He, want to get you, he wants to get you to stop believing in that promise.
I'm going to wrap it up here with Joshua chapter 23, verse 14. Behold, this day I am going the way of the earth. In other words, he's dying. And you know in all, in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. And you imagine that. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Not one word has failed. You can take that one to the bank. There is not one thing that God has said in His Word that has failed. Not a single thing. So all you have to do is know what the Word of God has promised and make your prayers based on that. Don't dream up something. Don't try and come up with, well, I think God ought to... No, you don't need to do that. What has He promised you? Now, we've given you a whole bunch of things right there to to work on. There's still more. You can go on the Word of God. Go up on Google if you want. Do a search. Promises of God. And you'll come up with all sorts of things that you can go out there and study and have some fun with. What has God promised you? Have faith. Have belief in it. Believe that what He said, He will do. And understand this. Joshua said, there's not one good thing, not a single good thing that God said about you that He did not bring about. Not a single one. Every good thing he said, he brought about. So here's the summary. So know, believe, and understand with the end result of faith in your prayers. Know the word, believe the promise, and understand the will of God with the end result that there will be faith in your prayers. Too many Christians were out that we make prayers. I don't... I'm going to pray and ask God because at least I'm asking God for something. I don't know if this is something God will do, but I'm just going to ask Him. God, I need this. But we have no promise. Here's the funny part. You may even ask Him for something that He promised, but if you don't have the knowledge of the promise, you don't have the belief in the promise. And you can't understand His will. And the enemy will come and attack you are vulnerable to an attack from the enemy. But know the Word. Know the Word. Keep learning the Word. Keep learning more and more in the Word of God. And the more you learn the Word of God, the more the promises are going to jump out at you. Believe those promises. Whatever God has promised, believe it. Don't just believe it for brother or sister so-and-so. Believe it for me. God, this is your promise. You said you would do it. We're going to spend some time in the next couple of weeks We're going to be looking at things in the promises. We're going to be looking at making prayers along these lines. We're going to be looking at people who made these prayers. We're going to look at people who had these things come about in their life. When we first started this series, we looked at how to pray to God for things that other people had. We spent some time looking at praying to God for things He's already given you. Shouldn't be doing that. But we're going to spend some time praying to God for things that God has and has told us to ask for. Or has given us a promise in some way. But just know, every single time that God has made a promise in the Word of God, if we bring it up to Him, His answer is, yes. 100% of the time, His answer is yes. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. 
Father, we thank you for your promises. They are great promises. They are exceedingly abundant promises. And I thank you that these exceedingly and precious promises that are in your word are here to help us in life. That if we learn your word and pull out from there your promises and believe those promises, we will understand the will of God more than we do now. Because what you promised is what you want to do. And if we know the word, believe the promise, and understand your will, faith in our prayers is an easy thing. Thank you for the help that you give us. We give you the glory and the praise for it. With every head bowed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you say, I have made promise, I have made prayers based on promises, but I now wonder if they were even in the Word of God. Raise your hand up. The reason I have you do that is simply this. The enemy has shaken your faith. The enemy has told you that God doesn't want to show up for you. That you don't have the faith that is necessary because things like this have happened in the past. He's made you think God likes other people, but he's not showing up for you. But all we need to do is make that one change and to pray to God the things that are in his word. To remind God of his promises that he said in his word. In fact, just quote them. Don't even try and, and summarize it. Just quote it. God, this is what you said. You said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally. Read the whole thing. I know it's future. I know that I will have it. It doesn't mean I have it right now, but it means it is mine because you have promised it to me. And when I need it, it will be mine. And my words line up with my belief that God will bring about what he promised. There's a whole lot of promises in the word of God. I'm going to challenge you this way. This week, I want you to take at least two promises in the Word of God. Two. It's more than one, less than three. I want you to take two promises in the Word of God. You can take them from the list we gave you right here. You can take them from another place. Whatever it is. You can do more, but I really just want you to take two. And I want you to structure your faith, structure your prayers around those two promises. And pray those promises. It could be the promise that he has a good plan for your life. That he has a future. It could just be something simple like that. Father God, I thank you that this is your promise. I thank you that you have a future in mind for me. That you have a plan. And it is a good plan. Whatever it might be, whatever ones jump out at you, I want you to take two promises and I want you to pray them I want you to make a commitment to it if you're here today even if you're on Facebook if you're on Facebook you can just type in that's me I'm going to do it I want you to make it raise your hand and make a commitment right now I will take two promises and I will alter my prayers in line with those things
Two promises. That's it. All right, you made this commitment. Two promises. Don't hide them. If you want to know a good function for Facebook, folks, get up there on, on Facebook and say, I believe that this promise is working and I am taking this promise in my life this week and I'm structuring my prayers. You can even throw a prayer out if you want to. It's not just good for you because you're stating it. It also helps other people. Two promises. Two promises this week. From here on out, you can go out there and do more. But it's a, it's a different way of going about life. It's a different way of going about prayers. Don't just pray what comes to your mind. Pray what's in the promise. You will see a change in your life. Glory to God. You got some, uh, some things here for us, right? Got a praise report. The bacon say we are all healed. In one week, we had one urgent care visit, one ER visit, one pediatrician visit, um, multiple pharmacy, pharmacy visits, an ear infection, one flu diagnosis, one teething baby, and two head colds. But this week, all sickness is gone. Sleep has improved. No one has been to the doctor. Instead, little girl has been praying for good to heal her sick friends, <laughs> or for God to heal her sick friends like he healed her. <laughs> Glory to God. That's it. Go after that old devil doing those things to other people. Mercy in Israel, healing, glory to God for complete good health and well his promises are. Yes and amen. And um, I'm not sure who that one. Oh, it's, oh, it's Haggis. I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing an M. I'm trying to think of what, is, what name starts off with M. Haggis. Okay. Praise God. I have a free, uh, a free prom and good time with my friend. Thank you to God. I have time. Praise God. Uh, yeah, praise God. Glory to God. Free. Did I read that right? Went to the prom for free. That can be expensive. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and he had, a, he had a good time. Glory to God for that. All right, a couple of prayer, prayer requests. I saw came in. This was uh, uh, Susan believing for healing um, and attending a wrist. And one other problem also for uh, resolution of issues with mom's apartment. Some of you are familiar with things going on with that. That was going to be, is it still going to be a five-week thing? Yeah, it's still ongoing. Okay. So they're, they're working on getting that apartment ready. And so we just uh, believe God for, for that and healing in that tendon and wrist. Glory. Glory to God for that. Bobby's not feeling well. Needs two more surgeries. Or I thought it was one surgery, but apparently there are, there's a second one going on that. Don't have uh, any other details. I know he has an appointment with the surgeon, but it's in March. That will be, be going on. Um, let's pray over Susan. Here, Susan, come on up here to the, up here to the front. And it's the which wrist. All right. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for healing power that comes from you into this body right now, restoring every part of that tendon in the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. Glory to God. Father, thank you for that power right now. At work in this body. Yes. Doing what, what only you can do. Thank you, Father, for that. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We get that power going on on the inside. We can call on that. Doesn't mean that God still won't tell you something to do. But I know that Susan will obey. 
whatever is, is going on there. Glory to God. Um, for, the, for this week, you, you may notice we've got uh, different lights that are going on in here. Uh, mostly it's to help our Facebook uh, people out there uh, lighten up the worship team better uh, for the first part of the, of the service. And uh, Daryl and Keith came in here and they, uh, man, they did a bang-up job getting them all hung up. They, uh, they look sharp. They look uh, real good. Came in here on Friday and they, they took care of all that. So um, I threatened to get sunglasses, but <laughs> they, they, are, they are bright, but we're, we're glad for that. Sometimes on, on Wednesday night, I think most Wednesday nights, we have more people tuned in on Facebook than we do actually here. So you folks that have had the uh, vision and uh, so forth uh, to do the Facebook thing, that's uh, some of the, the fruit from there. And we have a number of people who tune in every Sunday. Some people who just couldn't make it out. They weren't feeling well, didn't like the weather, whatever it might be. Uh, we have that, that that goes on. How many, uh, anybody check in and wanted us to say who was here? Uh, Victor, Trina. Victor and Trina. Oh, Dietrich. All right. And Linda. And who else was the other? Victor. Victor. Angela, the, the Angela is here or another Angela? Okay. <laughs> I guess your phone probably just uh, tuned in that you were, that you were there. <laughs> Glory to God for that. And there's other people who don't always uh, sign in as the, that, they're, that they're there, but it's, uh, it's good that we have those kind of things that we can do. Um, Wednesday night, we're going to be on Melchizedek. Uh, we're divided him, him up into th- the, the seventh chapter in Hebrews, divided up into three parts. We covered one part uh, this, this past Wednesday. We've got two other parts we're going to cover. That's going to be going on. We'll give you some more details on that on, on Facebook. Right after the service here today, 1 o'clock, we're going to be on Revelations chapter 18, looking at the end time. This is the fall of Babylon that will go on here. That will happen today at, uh, at 1 o'clock. If you want, just head out, get something to eat if you like, and come on back here. We'll start that at 1, probably be about um, 35, 45 minutes, something like that to, to be on there. Um, and I think that's about it now. Alyssa has some things to go over for the egg hunt that's coming up. Do we have a microphone? There you go. Hi. Those are very bright lights. Woo! Trying to... Hi. Um, first of all, super quick reminder. We all have this up here. Our building fund is growing every week. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. But... Um, I wanted to remind you guys, as you're making Easter baskets, as you have an excuse to talk about Easter and resurrection and so on and so forth, 